Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. What's the word? What's the word? Welcome to Right Now Ish. I am your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Today, I'm asking you to pop some popcorn, grab some red vines or jujubes, and get comfy. We're going to the movies. Well, actually, we're bringing the movies to you. This week, we're revisiting a conversation with filmmaker Maya Cueva. She just released her feature length documentary titled On the Divide out now and it's well worth your watch check out on the divide movie.com for more info Maya Cueva has also produced films that cover the heavy topics of immigration reproductive justice and xenophobia she's definitely a creative to keep tabs on. that conversation in just a few Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. I don't think of myself as like the voice of the voiceless, which I think is bullshit a lot of the times. Um, (laughs) I think that like a lot of filmmakers like will often be like, told that we're kind of supposed to say that like I'm the voice for the voiceless and I just I don't think that that's true I think what's important you know someone else's story is approaching it in a way where you know we're asking what are stories you feel like aren't being told or how do you feel like you know you've been mis- misrepresented um, or ignored I'm Jewish Peruvian Jewish Latina like growing up I didn't really have a lot of representation of my identity on screen. Not only did I not feel like I wasn't being represented, but I was seeing a lot of misrepresentation of my community, you know, people who looked like my father and my family. 
Flash forward to being 15 or 16, I ended up joining Youth Radio, which is now known as YR Media. <laughs> what happened at the time was there was a rape that had occurred at uh, Richmond High School. It was, you know, it was a horrible incident. And so what I was seeing was like big news outlets were talking about this, this incident, but they were saying things like, you know, this was inevitable to happen in Richmond. This is a city that glorifies gun violence and rape culture. And basically just saying like, this is inherent to Richmond culture. So I decided to write a commentary that really focused on the damaging news reports that were really criminalizing black and brown people in Richmond. I remember being like super nervous because I had to go live <laughs> at like youth radio's radio station and I read out my commentary and I remember it was that moment that I was like, oh, this is like what I want to do. What, what are you working on right now? Currently, I'm working on a feature documentary that I've been working on for six years, actually, and it's a film called On the Divide, and it's following three people who are all Latinx who are unexpectedly connected to the last abortion clinic on the U.S.-Mexico border in McAllen, Texas. We're following a man. His name is Ray. He's a security guard there. We're following a woman named Mercedes who is a self-proclaimed prayer warrior or pro-life anti-choice protester. And we're also following a woman who, her name is Denise, and she helps patients safely walk in and out of the clinic away from the protesters. So it's a film that I have been working on for a very long time now, and we're really excited that um, we are finally at the finish line. It's a film that I'm co-directing with a good friend of mine that I met in college, Leah Gallant. Um, and it's definitely been a journey, but we're excited that we're almost almost done. <laughs> Six years in the making, a marathon. How do you stay focused on one topic for so long? What really keeps me focused is, you know, the idea that, you know, access is really, really dire. And specifically in a community like McAllen, which is on the border, there's so many other factors that um, come into play. So it's not only that there's only one abortion clinic here, but for undocumented women trying to get access, this is also really, really hard because they have to travel through border checkpoints in order to get to the nearest clinic that's 250 miles away from them. So if this clinic were to close that we're following, there would be virtually no access for, for women or patients who are undocumented um, and are seeking abortion care. You mentioned immigration and how that plays a role in covering abortion, but also you've done work specifically about immigration. Can you talk to me a little bit about your film, Ale Libre? Yes, yes. So I actually uh, came across Ale's story when I came across a petition um, about asking for her release from the ICE detention center. I am a criminalized person. I'm a community organizer. I am a community member facing deportation and have been fighting my deportation case for the last eight years. I kind of just started doing a research on her and I came across like all of her work. She's a reproductive rights organizer as well as immigrants rights organizer. So when I talk about my, my case and my story, I get like knots in this right side. 
<clears throat> but it's only because I've been learning how to listen to my body and I've been doing a lot of healing work and trauma work. And I also found that she had a web series about like brujeria and witchcraft and how that intersects with organizing. And I was just was like, this person is really cool. And I just wanted to know more about her. So I ended up doing a radio feature about her for Latino USA. Um, and it was really following, you know, her whole life story, but also this petition to get her to be released. And fortunately, she was released in March 2018 from Eloy Detention Center. And then after her release, she actually hit me up and was like, hey, like, I'm actually really thinking about, um, you know, getting my story out there in a, a documentary. Like, do you know anyone who could potentially make one? And I was like, actually, yeah, like, I am a filmmaker and I would really love to share your story in that way. And the film is really following her um, after her release and her fight for political asylum. You with the follow up, you know, not just doing the story once, but also like staying with the story and like a continuous thread. And one of the more fascinating things about journalism that they didn't teach me in journalism school. Yeah, exactly. I think that follow up is really important. It's necessary too, even as as like journalists and filmmakers, right, that, you know, a lot of what we do is share other people's stories and Oftentimes, that can be exploitative if there's not a real follow-up. On that note, your approach to your work, do you see it as an art? Do you see it as a, um, activism? Or do you see it as a, as a documentation of life? I definitely see an intersection of all three of those things um, in the work that I do. I also do feel that there is an art behind pushing those stories forward. I have been around like-minded people my whole life, um, and I don't necessarily think that that pushes causes forward. Um, so for me, in general, I like to approach filmmaking and, and storytelling in a way that turns issues on its head or makes you think twice about someone that I might be filming, you know? For Ale specifically, what's really interesting is that, you know, she is a reproductive rights organizer and an immigrant rights organizer. But she also, when she was 25, got a DUI. We've all made mistakes, but has it landed us two years in jail or two years in prison or two years in a detention center? For many of us, no. The advocacy that I do, that the work that I do, that my values, what I'm centered in, if I do that in Mexico, I will be in danger. Abortions are not legal there. I don't want a parent right now. And if I get pregnant again, I will have another abortion. So to me, that's something that I think about every day. My life will completely change if I am deported. If we lose Contextualizing a person and putting them in their full light is something that you do in the film, Only the Moon, the piece about your father. There's a scene where he says a word, he's describing his beard, and the illustration makes a beer grow out of his beard because of his accent. I was actually going through a change myself because I grew out of beard, long hair, beard. I started living with this roommate of mine who actually was German. Um, was and I love it, though. You know, like it's, it's a fun moment in the midst of a story that's um, pretty heavy. My question to you is, what was your approach in telling the nuanced story of your father? So I love that that um, scene stuck out to you because I feel like that scene of the beer beard like really 
is a good representation of just like who my dad is um and like the kind of play on words but what really brought me to tell the story of my father was you know these were stories that i was raised with my whole life my father went to a shaman one time and the shaman already knew me he told my father that i was going to fly away because two years later i left for the u.s my father is from peru he grew up in ayabaca which is the andes um, in northern Peru, so very close to Ecuador. He came here when he was 18. First came to Chicago, and then made his way to, to California um, many years later. He was a pioneer in, in Silicon Valley as, a, as a, like one of the few uh, Latinos in tech at the time. This was like the 90s, early 2000s, and he had to deal with a lot of discrimination. And in fact, the first time I started in California working for a startup, another engineer sent me to open some boxes. And I told him that, you know, why does he do it? Is he busy or what? And what had happened is he confused me with a maintenance guy. My approach was, you know, asking him just straight up, like, you know, you've told me these stories so many times. What do you feel like is important for people to know or understand about you? And that was really how we kind of went through the process. I feel like I've come to a full circle from my childhood to my present time. I feel like I've come through various phases like the moon, but I remain the same. We didn't have many, like, photos of my dad in Peru when he was growing up. So I often would kind of reimagine the stories in kind of a storybook way. Um, so that's why I decided to approach the film um, in it, through an animated lens. And me and my dad really both love animation. Um, and then I ended up hiring an, an animator. Her name is Leah Nichols, and she's amazing. So, all right, so with your father and even the other stories that you've grown to know how do you walk that fine line of you're the storyteller so you're the power holder if you will um and at the same time is your attempts to empower this person and let them tell their story and like how do you balance those two things of like i know what story needs to be told versus like i need to let them tell their story i think it's really hard as filmmakers to think that we can be objective <laughs> completely the balance is you know, making sure that when I do approach the subject, I'm initially asking them, you know, what are stories you feel like aren't being shared? Or how do you feel like you're being misrepresented? Because I cannot speak for you. I can get a camera and I can interview you and ask you certain questions, but ultimately like your voice is the one that needs to come through and shine through. Like I think an example is, when I was first approaching the, the abortion clinic that I'm following in my feature, something I asked the, the communications director was like exactly that. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of news media comes in here and they want to tell a certain story, but like, what is the story you feel like is missing? And she was like, oh, no one's ever asked me that before. <laughs> I don't ever want to come into a, a space, first of all, a community that maybe I identify with, but I'm not a part of and think that I'm an expert.
This conversation with Maya left me thinking about the role of a filmmaker, storytellers in general, and how hard it is to capture all that needs to be told while being concise. To be an artist and to be an activist and to be a person all at one time, it's a lot. So thank you, Maya Cueva, for doing all of that and for sharing your story with us. Best of luck on everything you got cooking. You all can follow Maya on Instagram at maya.cueva, that's M-A-Y-A dot C-U-E-V-A, or on Twitter at Maita Cuevita, M-A-Y-I-T-A-C-U-E-V-I-T-A, all one word. Marisol Medina Cadena is the producer of this show. Jessica Plachik is the engineer, and this episode had some special assistance from Kiana Mogadam and Susie Racho. Our engineer is Sil Muller, and the engagement team is Lena Blanco, Sarah Pineda, and Jacqueline Carbajal. KQED execs are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. Once again, this is our first entry in our short series on filmmakers in the Bay Area. Next week, we're right back at it with the sequel, so make sure that y'all subscribe and rate the podcast. Cool? Cool. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Peace. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fettah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.